The Holy Spirit is an elusive little guy. He's hard to put our finger on. And there's a reason for that. That when we think about God the Father, it's possible for us to come to knowledge and awareness of him through a philosophical understanding of the existence of God, right? You can come to a rational conclusion that God does exist. There are many philosophical arguments that prove the existence of God. And so we can come to an awareness of God the Father that way. When it comes to God the Son, we have the incarnation in Jesus Christ, where we know his existence in history, and that we have an understanding of his likeness, of his face, and so we can grasp him in that way. But it is impossible to come to a rational conclusion of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, by nature, is supra-rational. He is beyond our reason, which is why it's frustrating to try to grapple with the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Because we're never going to come to an understanding of Him in our life through reason alone. And it's by design. Because it is the Holy Spirit that draws us back and reminds us that God is a mystery and that that is a good thing. Because if God isn't a mystery, then we can control and manipulate him. But when he is a mystery, he remains just beyond our grasp, just beyond our understanding that we are invited to share it. And then that reflects itself back in the way that we live on earth as human beings. I'm sure I stole this from somewhere, I just can never remember where I stole it from. But the human person is not a problem to be solved, but a mystery to be contemplated. And that comes through the gift of the Holy Spirit in our life. Because if we do not have the Spirit in our life, then we are reduced to life in the flesh, which is what we heard from St. Paul's letter to the Romans today. That if we forget the spirit, then all we have left is the flesh, and mystery is gone. And then it's just problems that we need to solve. Just think about it this way. For those of you that have children, if I asked you after mass, why do you love your kids? How would you describe and explain that to me? Well, maybe you would start to say, well, I love the way that my daughter uses her intelligence for the good of the world and the way that she lives her life. Well, not all your kids are smart. Or I love how generous my son is in the way that he gives of himself to serve others. Well, some of your kids are selfish. But you love them still. And so there is a reality in the love that you have for your kids that's more profound than any material characteristic that they exemplify. There is a spiritual foundation to the love that you have in that relationship that's more profound than just the flesh. Because if that were true, that it was just the expression of their goodness that made you love them, well, you would have stopped loving them a long time ago because none of us is perfect. And so the lack of perfection would mean that we lack love. And that's just not true. 
It's because you understand the mystery of your child and entering into the mystery of your child invites you into love. And it is the gift of the Spirit in our lives that moves us beyond simply the material to that spiritual reality that exists in the human person. Because the alternative is that in the rejection of God, which is usually first and foremost a rejection of the Spirit, life becomes simply mechanistic and technical. But that's all that we have left. That we have the pieces of the puzzle that we try to put together and mystery is lost. And we don't have that anymore. And that has large-scale consequences. It's the idea that I mentioned last week in my homily when I said A plus B plus C equals peace and joy. It's like these pieces in the proper order will create the outcome that we're looking for. But our human experience tells us that's just not true. So there must be something more. It's the problem of moralism in the Christian life. That if we reduce our Christian faith to simply a moral compass, the thing in our life that helps us determine value, or the thing that guides us right from wrong, if that's all that our Christian faith becomes for us, that's a mechanistic and a technical way of life. Because it's not entering into the mystery of God and everything that that entails. We can't fall into that trap. Pope Francis, in his encyclical on the environment, Laudato Si, there's two parts that always stood out. One of the parts that always sticks in my mind is at one point he talks about how in our world today, our technological and economic growth in the last decades has happened so rapidly that our moral and social values haven't been able to keep up that we've had so much in advancement in that mechanical and technical aspect of our human life, which is not bad in and of itself. But if our moral values and social values can't keep up to uphold those things, then we have a problem. Because if those technical and mechanistic things of life determine our life, if those things start to determine our morals and the way that we decide to live together, it's a problem, right? Some of you here can remember a time where there was much less of that in your life, right? Where our pace of life was slower because it wasn't filled with so many things or where we didn't fill all of the empty space with entertainment or sounds or more things. We should stop every once in a while and think about what's the consequence of that in our life? What is the consequence in our life of having less space for silence and for boredom? How does that affect our relationship with God and our relationship with each other? Or if you want to simplify the, the idea further, what's the difference in the way that we bring up our children when we give them toys to play with versus giving them something to make a game with. 
Right? We have all of these toys that fill the shelves of our toy stores that do all these different things and educational things to stimulate them in different ways and help them expand their minds, but what about the times where you just give them pots and pans and they figure out what to do with them? Maybe they're gonna play house. Maybe they're a drummer. The difference that that makes in our approach to the way that we live. It's the spirit in his supernatural nature that draws us into that human experience. It allows us to move past relying solely on our intellect to get through life into something that's more profound, like the love of your children. When we read in the scriptures the two accounts of Pentecost, one in the Acts of the Apostles, which we heard in our first reading, and one in the Gospel of John in our Gospel today. There are two effects of the Spirit in the world. First, in the Acts of the Apostles, what do we hear? That on the day of Pentecost, the Apostles, once receiving the Holy Spirit, go out into the streets and start preaching the Gospel. And what happens? That this whole list of different nations and cultures represented in Jerusalem, each hear the good news in their own language. The first effect of the Spirit in the world is unity. It brings about unity, us with God and with each other. But it's a different kind of unity. It's unity that is possible while maintaining difference, right? All of these different cultures represented, the Parthians and the Medes and the Arabs, they didn't stop being those things in order to be united in Christ. But they heard in a way that united them together in that faith in Jesus risen from the dead while remaining distinct from each other. See, the world, when the world tries to create unity, when the world tries to create world peace, the only thing it has as its disposal is to limit or eradicate difference. Unity in the world is brought about through assimilating others in the same way of thinking and the same way of living. And if you don't think in that way or live in that way, then you're a threat to unity and to peace and you need to be pushed aside. That is never the Christian way. Christian unity, motivated by the Spirit, embraces difference is willing to struggle with different ways of thinking and different ways of living, but still remain united. The second that we hear most clearly in the Gospel of John and the account of Pentecost is when Jesus comes to the apostles, risen from the dead, and he says, peace be with you. What does he say the effect of receiving the Spirit from him? If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The second effect of the Spirit in the world is forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness is impossible without the Spirit. Because if you do not have the Spirit, then all you have is justice. Right? If an injustice is done, then you counter it with justice, pure justice. And so you try to create a just world based on the injustice that's happened. But forgiveness needs mercy. 
which goes beyond justice, doesn't reject justice, but goes beyond justice to unmerited love. Right? Justice is about giving somebody what is their due. Mercy is about giving them what they haven't earned. And that is only possible through the Spirit. The effect of the Spirit in the world is unity, indifference, and forgiveness of sin. And those two things are impossible without the Spirit of God in the world. Because otherwise we fall into this me mechanistic, technical approach to life, and those things become impossible. And if you stop and think of what we are experiencing around us, you see the effect and the consequence of that around us in our own nation and in the world. So the invitation today on the Feast of Pentecost is to remember that you have been given this gift of the Spirit. As frustrating and hard, as hard as it is to be aware of that, right? How easy is it for you to be aware that you have been given the gift of God's Spirit within your own soul? That He is united to you forever into eternity, given that gift of his spirit. But because he is beyond reason, it's not easy to become aware of that presence of him in your life. Right? It's easier to become aware of the presence of God simply by the expression of good works. That's when I know God is present. Which is why in our Christian life, prayer and silence are so important to come to know the Spirit of God in our life. Without prayer and silence, we will never come to know that super-rational expression of God through His Spirit in ourselves. Because without prayer and without silence, our lives will always be pulled and drawn to this purely material existence. As St. Paul says, living in the flesh but we are enfleshed souls, is what the church teaches us. And so to become aware of your own soul and the spirit of God that dwells within your soul, you need to pull away from that material life every once in a while. That contemplating in prayer and in silence, how God is present to you, not in purely material ways, but in ways that live on into eternity. And maybe the way to start, is just spend some time in reflection today on why you love your kids. Just reflect on why do I love my children? And a reflection on that will become an encounter with the Spirit of God.